Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. That's good stuff. Thank you, worship team. Can, can we just thank specifically Marissa over here for her dance? We love your worship. I love your worship. It helps me. It sets me free so much. Y'all be, y'all be seated. We are, uh, we are in a series right now called Tested. Anybody being tested? Y'all sound happy about it. You ought to be. You've been listening, right? James said, consider it all joy when you face various trials, knowing that the, the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Somebody slap some, don't slap them hard, but just say you need some perseverance. Um, I shouldn't tell people to slap people. I'm sorry. I should. It's one of those preacher things. Hey, prayer rooms are kicking off soon. If you can play guitar, keys, iPad. We need some leaders for fall. What we endeavor to do is to create a space for Jesus in this city, eventually, where prayer and worship is always rising because he's worthy of it. We're not looking to get anything out of it. We just want him to be welcome. And so if you want to be a part of that, reach out on our website, thedwellingchurch.org, on that contact form and just say, hey, how do I lead a prayer room? And um, you probably can. All right. So uh, just reach out about that. Today I'm talking about the test of humility. Isn't it good you got the expert talking about it this morning? <laughs> this is one of those, this is one of those uh, things like when you're going through Scripture verse by verse, you can't avoid certain things. And this is my message. Okay, here we go. If you would, I know you just sat down. Let's stand in honor of God's word. I kind of like that, that we're doing that these days. I don't know why we're doing it, but we just do it because his word is honored in this house. And that's what we want to do. So James 4 verses 1 through 17. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you take the scriptures? Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, your sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow, deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Don't speak evil against one another, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. 
But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. God blesses his word. Let's sit down and we're going to um, just dive into this a little bit. I wish I had time to do every verse, but, uh, but we're going to get to a few of them today. James is not pulling any punches at all with these folks, okay? He comes right out the gate and he says, y'all are fighting, you're quarreling, you're struggling with each other. And then he asks them a question that he answers immediately afterward. Has anybody ever done that to you? Your mama used to do that. Why did you do that? I'll tell you why you did that. And that's what James does. What is causing quarrels and fights among you? I'll tell you what's causing them. They're coming from your evil desires that at war within you. I love how Scripture is so direct sometimes, but I also love how the Holy Spirit uses Scripture to not just bring conviction, but to lead us out of that into actually what we're supposed to be doing. And uh, who's been to therapy? Be proud. Be proud. Come on. I'm a proud pastor right now. That's like 60%. We messed up. We are so messed up. But we're humble, right? So y'all don't need this message. If, you, uh, if you've never been to counseling or therapy, this ain't a control thing or a shame thing. Listen, go. Just go. Everybody needs it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still having checkups. I was, I was in a really low place in my life several, several years ago. And uh, I'm talking like, Deep depression, lowest I've ever been in my life, um, thinking there's no point in being here. I was there. And I was in the shower, and I was crying in the shower. And I was like, God, I don't know what to do. If you'll just tell me what to do, I'll do it. I need you. What do I do? And a face of a man came into my mind that I'd met several months prior, and he was a Christian counselor. And I knew that was the Lord saying, call that man. I don't know why God doesn't just wham, bam, you're healed. You're, you know, he does that sometimes. Sometimes he puts us in a position where we have to walk out our healing. And sometimes we, he puts us in a position where we have to depend on other people to help us walk out our healing. And that's okay too. If you need permission, go make a phone call this week, okay? But I love how James is a therapist for us right here. Because he says, you're... you're you're, you're fighting, you're quarreling with each other, but that's not the real issue. The, 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 the behavior is a fruit. It's a symptom of something else. And so he begins in the next few verses to take us into his office and to talk us to the root of the problem. And, and I'll tell you this too, and I, 
I feel like I feel like I'm supposed to say this, uh, and I hope you take it the right way, because I don't mean anything about it. But some of you know me really well. Some of you don't know me from Adam's house cats. First time, like this guy, I don't know about this guy. Some of you know me really well. Can I just say from experience that the more you know the preacher, sometimes the harder it is to hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't talk yourself out of what he says to you today because of the vessel it's coming from. Some of you know me well enough to know how broken I am. Don't let the messenger be the offense or the, 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 the filter for what the Lord really wants to set you free from today. Just take that how you want it. But I felt like I needed to put that out there. Much of what the church has done in the past is to point to behavior and then heap a bunch of shame on it and say, don't do that. If you do that, you're bad. Right? And that, what else are you going to do if you don't have the Holy Spirit? What else are you going to do if, you don't, if you're not depending on Him? You feel like you got to make people act right. And so people in my position with the microphone have just beat people to death for years because that's what we think we're supposed to do. But the church has kind of got the wrong idea about heaping shame on sin. Shame is not the remedy for sin. Shame is the fruit of sin. The only remedy for sin is the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ and the grace of God that's available to us Grace is not just forgiveness. It's the power to walk away from your sin and live free of it. And so that's what I'm going to try to give us, give us this morning. But I love, I love this. He says, no, it goes deeper than fighting. It goes deeper than your relational conflict. And he tells us exactly what the root of the problem is in verse 2. He says, you want what you don't have. That's why you're fighting. You feel like you're missing out on something. You know what you call that? If you type it in pages on your Mac or if you go in Word, I've noticed this word is, it's like, what is that word? Covetousness. Have you ever heard of that before? Want some, something somebody else has got. But do you know where that comes from? It's called entitlement. Entitlement. And entitlement says, I deserve this. I believe if the enemy's vocabulary only had three words, he would choose these three words. You deserve it. You know what entitlement sounds like? It sounds totally normal in our culture. I'm going to read you some things and you're going to be like, what's wrong with that? It's because you've been swayed by the... The one who's in charge of the world. And you believe in what he's, what he's feeding us. But listen to this. Entitlement sounds like I deserve this promotion. Just let the Holy Spirit take that one. <laughs> Why should I have to wait in line? Some of y'all... <laughs> You got to get to the head of that line. It don't matter if 30 people's ahead of you. I don't have to wait. 
I deserve to be treated like royalty because of my family status or our money that we've got. And I know how to work the system. I'm entitled. I shouldn't have to listen to criticism or feedback. People should just appreciate me for the way I am. Now, we never say this stuff because we sound like a jerk. But we, deep down, we believe it. Isn't that funny? I shouldn't have to clean up after myself. That's what they pay those people for. <laughs> Do y'all know what a buggy is? A shopping cart. Or a shopping cart. Maybe at Target it's a shopping cart. Where I'm from is a buggy. And yeah, the Piggly Wiggly. We used to call it the Hoggly Woggly. Um, I'm going to leave my shopping cart right here. I don't have to walk it over there. Now, if you've got some health problems, work that out. I ain't talking about you, okay? I'm talking about y'all lazy folks. Entitled folks, well, walk your cart over there. Come on. The rules... The rules don't apply to me. I'm above them. Like, like I said, we'd never say this, but do we live this way? I don't need to consider other people's feelings. They should cater to mine. I don't need to apologize for my behavior. People should just forgive me and understand where I'm coming from. But you know, entitlement's not even the root. You know what the root of entitlement is? Pride. Pride. Modern psychologists split pride into two emotions. There's authentic pride and hubristic pride, like hubris, you know. Some of them argue that they're not two separate emotions. Pride is pride. But it's the dosage of pride <laughs> that it causes the problem. Like too much pride is a bad thing. A little bit of pride is not a bad thing. And, you know, I get the point. Like, I get, there, there's maybe a both end to this of, like, if, if, if I do get that promotion at work, man, I'm proud. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, man, I, I, I had a goal to lose this much weight, and, man, I lost the weight. I'm feeling good about that. There's nothing wrong with that. I think a better way to look at it, honestly, if we pull God into the equation... It's not about the dosage of pride. It's about the source of it. Anything that I do, any accomplishment I have that grows out of an independence from God is just poison for me. Because it's going to lead me down a road of self-sufficiency and pride that will destroy me. Pride cometh before the fall. Consider Lucifer. Do you know who Lucifer was? Rob calls him Little Lucy. <clears throat> what caused his fall? Pride. You know, the Bible says he was beautiful, amazing, powerful, beautiful. 
high and important. He was great. But he said, that's not good enough. I want to be like him. I want them worshiping me instead of Yahweh. Can I just say the greater you are, the more susceptible to pride you are? Could it be the test for humility is actually greatness? What if you've been given opportunities and favor and blessing just to see if you can handle it? And what if we walk in some opportunity and then we lose that opportunity and our whole world falls apart and our identity is in question? I wonder... If that was a test, can Gunner actually carry what I want to give to him? The blessing of God will never crush you. As a child of God, he'll never crush you with blessing. He will test to see how much you can carry. Greatness is the test of humility. Greatness is the test of humility. And here's the good news. Y'all ready for some good news? If you're a son or daughter of God, he's always wanting to promote you, make you more like Christ. He's always, for this testing thing, remember, it's not about approval, it's about advancement. And if you're being advanced, guess what's always going to be a temptation in your life? Pride. It's not something you graduate from. Pride is always going to be a temptation in our life. But the good news is, is that your humility is being tested so that pride can be eradicated from your life. Because Jesus was not at all concerned with what people thought of him. That's the goal. And that's who he's making you. Deep woods off. I just filled the atmosphere with DEET. Thank you. You're welcome. How, how many native Savannah people I got in the room? How, how many people are like transplants where you moved here and you were appalled at the sand gnat population in this part of the country? I was out on a boat with Alan Cantrell one time and I thought I was going to die. I thought, there, how many times can you get bit? by a gnat. I look like a leper. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Sometimes we have a view of God. Well, he doesn't want to give grace to me. He wants to oppose me. If you believe that way, you've probably been to church a little too much. You believed a lot of religion and stuff. God wants to bless you. He wants to give you grace. He doesn't want to oppose you. But if we have pride in our hearts, he will oppose us. Do you know what pride is? A grace repellent. If we, have, if we carry pride in us, we might as well be spraying ourselves down with a grace repellent. 
grace ain't going to come nowhere near my life if I can't handle grace. I'll tell you what it looks like. Well, God will forgive me. That's somebody who can't handle grace. I can live like I want to. It's under grace. It's under the blood. Mm, brother. Mm-mm. You were repelling the very grace that you were claiming gives you permission to live like you want to. Grace is power to do us right. It's power to set us free from the old way. I tell you, somebody who, who, who has a lot of pride in their life also is a grace repellent in the area of grace for other people. Grace, grace and pride are like oil and water. You can't be prideful and understand grace. You can't walk in grace and be prideful. Jesus said, or John says he was full. Jesus was full of grace and truth. How many know you can be honest and still grace-filled? Jesus was. Jesus wasn't a religious jerk, but he told the truth. And it was filled with so much grace. How do you have so much grace? He was humble. An old preacher said, humble people don't know they're humble. And prideful people don't know they're prideful. It's kind of like bad breath. You don't know your breath stinks. I asked Andrea, I said, like, you got a piece of gum? Because I could feel it bouncing off somebody's face when I was praying for him this morning. I need some, I need some help. Isn't that funny though? Your nose is an inch from your mouth and you can't tell you got bad breath until somebody tells you. I think it's the same with pride and humility. So how do you pass the test of humility? I'm glad you asked. Verses 7 through 10 This is one of those passages I don't even have to preach. I'm going to do it anyway, but I don't have to preach. It's so clear. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord And he will lift you up in honor. Do you know that's what he wants? He wants to lift you up. God wants to honor you. I wonder how many times he showed up wanting to honor you, but you can't be honored because you can't go low. This is a real deal. And this, I'm telling you, like this issue is the key for the promises of God that you've been waiting on and praying for, the things that you pine over and you worry about, if I can't get here, I wonder if it's because you're trying to get here instead of getting here. Because the ones who go low are the ones who get lifted up. It's the backwards way of the kingdom of God. You can fight your way to the top all you want to, but it's going to be a slippery slope. It's going to be a mudslide all the days of your life if you're a child of God, because that's not the kingdom way. The kingdom, way, the kingdom way is to live like Jesus and to go low. So it's not about me. 
It's not about my reputation. It's not about what people think of me. It's not about my image. It's about Jesus. And the funny thing is, is when we get to that place where we're so broken, sometimes it takes just going through hell in your life to get you to that place. But when you do get low and in the dirt, well, the amazing thing is, is God just raises you up out of the dirt and sets you on a higher place than you could have ever gotten on your own. There's no shortcut to becoming like Jesus, but humility is a really good place to start. Submit to God. I've talked to some of you guys. You said, Gunnar, that was a good message this morning. God spoke to me. Man, it was convicting. But you know, I went home and I got to thinking. And I don't think I really struggle with that. I think, uh, I don't think that's wrong. I think it's, and I'm like, you're talking yourself out of conviction. Don't go home and think about it. Obey what God is telling you to do. And don't, don't come up and pat somebody on the back whose God is humbling. Yes, we are to encourage each other. I heard a preacher say one time, don't come, in here, don't come up here to this altar and talk somebody out of what God's doing in their life. Sometimes he's got to bring you low. Why? Because he wants to lift you up. He can't lift you up until you go low. Stop talking yourself out of conviction. Submit. Submit. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Like I said, you have the grace and the power to do what's right. When he comes and tempts you, when he brings up those thoughts of entitlements, when he says you deserve it, you have the grace to not believe that and humble yourself. Come close to God. You know, it's interesting, Adam and Eve in the garden, what did they do when they sinned? They covered themselves and they hid. You got to come out of shame to walk in humility. See, we get that mixed up too in the church. We equate shame with humility. That's not it. Humility is vulnerability. Humility is, is saying, yeah, I'm jacked up. And I need Jesus. Here's a side note. If you want friends, be vulnerable. Nobody wants to be friends with a robot. Or somebody that wears a mask all the time. Like, I don't even know who I'm talking to. I can't, I can't know you. You know what intimacy is? Into me, you see. Intimacy. If you don't let anybody see who you are, you can't have friends. Some of you are so lonely. Maybe you just open up about your struggles. That's what humility looks like. Come close to God. Wash your hands, you sinners. Repent of what you've done. Own up to it. Make it right. You know, it's God's job to clean you up, but it's your job to clean your mess. So I wonder if there's a mess that you've not cleaned up with a relationship. I wonder if there's a mess that you cleaned up or that you're not cleaned up through some decisions you've made, some choices you made that hurt other people. Made a mess. Humility is going back and cleaning up all that paint you spilled all over everybody. Yeah, that's hard, Mr. Pete. Purify your hearts. You double-minded, is what James says. See, my hands did what they did because my heart. 
And my, my heart was not right because I'm double-minded. In other words, sometimes I say this, but I do this. Or sometimes at church on Sunday, I want this. But when Monday comes, I'm not walking it out at all. All I've got is good intentions. Are y'all with me this morning? Like if all I've got is good intentions, well, I'm not doing anything. It's time for our hearts, our heads, and our mouths to start lining up. I've told you this before. Y'all know I'm going to be just transparent. <laughs> Some of y'all wish I wouldn't be so transparent. People are going to leave this church. You're being too honest. It's been the hardest year of my life. What is it, July? Thank God we're almost halfway through. We are halfway. Halfway. All right. Hardest year of our lives as a family, I think. Um, and so this, this series that we're going through, it's real. It's real stuff. Yesterday, God told me this. I'm, I'm, I'm looking over my message and I'm like, I always pray this. God, like, I don't want to get up there and preach something I'm not walking out. I don't want to just be words. Like, we got enough of that. Like, I want there to be a reality in my life. And I was like, you know what? I never ask, I try not to ask why. Like, why did this happen? I know when you go through something, that's kind of like the gut reaction. Why did this happen to me or whatever? But some of the challenges that I've personally faced this year, I feel like the Lord gave me some insight on it yesterday. And this may sound like a prideful statement. It's really not because I know that it's him at work in my life, and it's not me. But I think that the Lord's humbling me because he wants to elevate me. I think that what's coming for me personally and the things that he wants to pour out on my life, he knows I'm not ready for. And so he's taking me through the school of humility, and it looks like this. And what does that remind you of? Sometimes it feels like you're being flushed when you're going low. Can I just propose that that's what the Lord's doing in your life too? If you're in a trial right now, if you're being tested right now, it's because he wants to lift you up. He is not causing the suffering. He is not causing the sickness. He's not causing the pain, but he will use it. There is nothing that will go to waste that you go through as a son or daughter of God. There is no sickness. There is no trial. There is no pain. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, Romans 8. I don't care what you're going through. There is nothing going to separate you from the love of God. In other words, the writer of Romans was saying this. When you're going through hell, you think God's a million miles away, but nothing has separated you. He is so close to you and so intimately acquainted with what you're going through right now. Don't you for a minute believe he's not in it. He's not the cause of it, 
but he will see you through it. And when you get on the other side, it's glory. Somebody said, we're being transformed to glory, to glory, to glory, but it's hell in the hallway. And that's so true. It's no shortcuts. Because God's making us heavenly. He's making us fit for heaven. And to be heavenly, you got to go through a little hell. How are you dealing with that? Can I just say the Lord knows how bad it hurts? He knows you're hurting. And he's with you in it. And I know it sounds silly, maybe even a little offensive when you're going through something hard to say, yeah, but you got to think about what you're going to become when you get out of it. That sounds so religious, doesn't it? But it's just true. It's just true. God is building things in you that could never, ever happen in your life unless you go through what you're going through right now. Let's stand on our feet. Embrace humility. Humble yourselves. Respond to the Lord. Response always looks like action. Response always looks like action. Obedience always has feet. Amen, Gunner. All right. <laughs> Jesus, help us. Help us to walk in humility. Help us to be people that have so much heaven in us that it just pours out on everybody. Lord, we want to be the kind of people that walk into a room and the atmosphere changes because you're there with us in a measure that is unusual. We don't want that for ourselves. We want that for your glory. And we know that the way to get there is humility. Becoming like you requires us to go low. And so, Lord, just right now all over this room and for people watching online, would you just speak specifically different areas of our life? Lord, where you're pinpointing, not to heap shame, but, Lord, you're pinpointing areas right now that you want to lift us up in. Lord, I pray that we'd make that choice to be humble. And if you've never given your heart and your life to Jesus today, today's the day. You talk about humility. It takes a lot of humility to say, I can't do this. I need you, Jesus. And if that's you today, just tell him. Believe, repent of your sin, confess it to him, turn your heart to him. He wants to love you and bless you. We got community leaders in here. If you could, come on up and uh, we're going to receive people for prayer. I don't know what walking in humility looks like for you, but take the step today. And uh, we've got some community leaders up here. If you want to say yes to Jesus and give him your heart and your life, talk to one of these guys up here today. And also, if you have a prayer need and uh, maybe you didn't get prayed for a while ago when we were praying, come up and receive prayer. Um, I would say this. If you experience any measure of healing from prayer today, 
go on our website and go to testimony and, and write your testimony up. Say like mine, we've had people uh, just a few weeks into the church, there was a, a girl that was healed of, uh, she broke her wrist and like I think two or three times had surgery and she was getting prayed over in the movie theater in the lobby and she said, I felt just this hot heat on my arm and she didn't have, she, I talked to her the other day, she's since moved off, she still didn't have any pain in her arm. The doctor was like, that shouldn't have happened. So God is the healer. He's still healing. So come up and receive ministry if you want to. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word that heals us, that transforms us, that changes us. And thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us to do what you ask us to do. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.